Welcome to StoryWise. This is the podcast designed to give you the in-depth story behind some of our top storytellers as a way to inform, motivate, and inspire you to believe that you too can make your dreams a reality. My name is Jen Grisanti. I am the career story consultant at Jen Grisanti Consultancy, Inc., a writer's consultancy committed to guiding your vision through one-on-one consult as a way to help you get to the next step in your career. Today, my guest is Tom Malloy. Tom wrote the book, Bankroll, A New Approach to Financing Feature Films. Tom is also an actor, um, a writer, a producer, a motivator for children, and am I missing anything? He's dancer, dan- former dance teacher, singer, uh, former stand-up comic. Oh, I <laughs> love it. I love it. So tell me, I'm, I'm very, I love your book. First of all, I love your book. What (laughs) I love about your book is it is so accessible and so motivational and taking the idea of something, feature film financing, that could be so dry (laughs) and giving it a spiritual approach. And that I love. I love. So tell me, I want to know your story. Bring Mm -hmm. me up to what brought you to this point. Sure, sure. I was back in 90, 98, I believe. I was the uh, star of a film called Gravesend that we shot on the streets of, of Brooklyn. And I mean, there's all kinds of folklore associated with it because we'd literally pull up to a street corner and there'd be like a gang of thugs. And we'd be like, you guys want to shoot a fight scene? They'd be like, sure. You know, and big fights would break out every night. But what happened is we shot that movie for like nothing. I mean, it was $5,000. It was me and three other actors and uh, the director. And what happened was we got Oliver Stone to produce it. It was in theaters and I was, it was one of the lead roles. I mean, you could still rent it. You know, I'm writing the cover of the box and... Uh, at that time, I thought it was going to be the, this big star, and when it, when it didn't happen, <laughs> um, you know, I was actually what did happen was that I was going up against already established stars, you know, and it was, I was the hot kid for a little bit, but these guys were already established, and then it faded. And so when that happened, I said, I got to learn every other aspect of the, the, the business. I don't want to work outside the business. And so what I did is I became a really strong writer by reading like 50 of the greatest screenplays of all time. And it kind of soured me to everything else since then because I've probably read about 600 screenplays and I've hated about 592 screenplays since then. And uh, so now I'm in the Writers Guild and I've done really well. I, you know, out of 13 screenplays, I've either um, options sold or had made into movies nine out of 13 screenplays. And, wow. Uh, yeah. So, and then, and as far as the producing goes, it was. Well, there's a story behind that, and that was that I had a film. I had a dance film because being a former dancer, dance teacher um, of ballroom dancing, I wanted to make this dance film, and I had this project that I had written. And so what happened was I, I, as you know, like this big wide-eyed actor, young, said, here, take this project, and I gave it to this guy, and he just, over the the course of about three years, completely screwed me over. He was a, a complete liar. Three months would go by, he'd say, you know, we're going to shoot in August. August would come. We're going to shoot in December. December would come. We're going to shoot in July. And it turns out he didn't have any money. He actually tried to steal my script, boot me out of the film. And uh, it was 2000, um, 2005, and I had been married for about a year. No, excuse me, it was 2004. And my wife said, I'm pregnant. And I said, oh, my God. You know, and it was the proverbial gun to the head. And so in that month, I wrote a movie called The Attic. And by the next month, I had the director of Pet Cemetery attached to it. And I had the financing for it by... Uh, basically, and and when I, how I discovered how to raise money was, like I said, the gun to was to my head, and I, I had to find out how to, to do it. So I I just went and I tried every approach necessary, and I got the financing. And then since then, you know, now I've done I've, the Alphabet Killer, which was a, a, a 
quadruple the budget of the, the attic. And it was Eliza Dishku and Tim Hutton and Carrie Elways. And uh, then I was able to do Love and Dancing, which was um, Amy Smart and myself and Billy Zane and Betty White. And so what I did was I was trying to create these projects where I was producing was kind of a means to an end. You know, I was writing these scripts, producing them, which meant getting the financing and putting it all together, but putting myself in like the third or fourth lead role. But by the time I did Love and Dancing, I had job security. I actually would use in the pitch. You know, you can cast Matt Damon, but he can't dance like I can. You know, so it was like that was the pitch that I put together. But That's um, right. yeah, you know, and, and I got to tell you, it was just a means to an end to get it um, to get these films going. So that's why my book is kind of accessible to everybody, because it's not just for the producer. It's not for the director, or the writer. I mean, it's for everybody, the actor that wants to find a way to make his or her dream a reality. Well, I have told so many people about it. Um, it you rock. Awesome. It is, <laughs> it's amazing because I have so many writers who come to me in my belief right now and with the current state of the business and how difficult it is yes. for writers to get agents mm-hmm. and managers right now. I truly believe that writers are becoming their own entrepreneurs. Yeah. So your book is such an inspiration to be right. able to say you took a difficult situation mm-hmm. and you turned it around and you made it positive. Yeah. You educated yourself on what is it to finance a film, what makes a film script great, mm-hmm. and then you put it into action. I, I applaud that. Oh, thank I, you so much. I think that. And what is the response to the book been so far? It's been excellent. You know, because I, I've kept the stories in there. There's, you know, a lot of the personal stories and successes as well as failures. I mean, I put so many times, like when I was uh, made the wrong decision, when people have stolen money from me, I put it all in there as a lot of times warnings. And, uh, you know, I start the book off with thanking all the people that screwed me. I mean, even that guy, uh, there was, yeah, I if I didn't, yeah, about that. <laughs> if, that, if those things didn't happen, I wouldn't be where I am today. But, um, you know, I'm still learning and, and there's always sharks in the industry, but now I can see them so much more clearly and I can point that out to people. But the response has been just fantastic. I mean, if you look on Amazon, they're all four and five star reviews, mostly five star. And it's so funny because one person, um, emailed me and, and it was just hilarious because they said, uh, they read the book and right in the beginning of the book, it was, um, I had said Excel was a database, using Excel as a database. And he emails me and goes, just by the way, Excel is a spreadsheet program, not a database program, which I know. It's, you know, it's access as the database. And I said, I literally emailed him back and I Googled a book called Excel as a database because it can be used as a database. And I pasted the link. And he emailed me back and said, you know, I don't know. He just blasted me because I guess he thought I was, you know, I was going back at him. And can you believe this guy posted a one-star review? He's literally posted a one-star review under a different name on Amazon. Other than that... Every single review has been great, and I get people emailing me all the time, um, just you know, saying how it inspired them. People, other people, email me and say they were on a film set and they saw somebody highlighting my book, and I said, "Oh, that's great! If I can help people, it's um, you know, then that then I know I did the right thing." I mean, there was an inspiration why I wrote it, which I can get into if you'd like. <laughs> how, yeah, I definitely want to know what inspired what what was how many films at the time that you wrote this book. Sure. How many films had you succeeded at financing and? Did someone come to you, or did you come up with the idea? Well, it was it was five films at the time, but there was the, I mean, two of them were small. One was an educational video, and the other was a documentary. And then the, the Attic, um, by the way, which was Elizabeth Moss and myself mm-hmm. uh, over Mad Men, uh, the Attic, the oh, Alphabet great. Killer, and uh, and Love and Dancing. Yes, and when I did that, you know, what happened was, so I'm in L.A., I'm new to L.A., and um, I'm, I'm a real big, big believer in karma and putting it out there. And so I have two kids, and I work all the time. Somebody would email me out of the blue and say, hey, listen, I need advice on how to be an actor, how to be a writer, how to make, get my film going. 
And I'd say, sure. And I'd meet him at the Arts Deli in Studio City or, or Cantor's or Greenblatt's or somewhere. And uh, I'd give him all the advice I can. And then the worst part was is that um, most of the time they were broke. So I'd end up paying for lunch. And then one day my wife was like, are you crazy? She's like, you work all the time. And, you know, the, your kids are here. And it's like, and now you're going and, and, and spending time and, and sometimes spending money. I said, why don't you just write a book? And I said, that's a, that's a good idea. And so what happened was I found the, the publisher of all the film books, Michael Weiss Publications. Mm-hmm. And I said, I have an idea for a book. And they said, great, you know, just give us a proposal. And I gave them a, pro- a proposal. And within, like, two days, they got back to me. They said they wanted me to uh, write the book. And so they gave me an advance, and I, I wrote it over a year. Yeah. That is fantastic. I have heard about that. Like, if you sell a proposal, then you get a year to write it. That Yeah. And how long did it take you? It took me about a year. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's, the key is, is um, but I went really slow with it and took it uh, one step at a time. But. Yeah, that's people tell me all the time, you know, I want to write a book. And I said, okay, first step, don't write anything. I said, don't write the book. Go sell the book first. Let them pay you to write the book because obviously it's so much better that way. No, it is. It it is better that way. And I think what what I loved about your writing style was definitely the intimacy, even (laughs) hearing you right now admitting that you got a one star on Amazon from one person (laughs) and explaining why. I love that because really that's what makes you accessible and the idea of being humble in mm. the midst of all of this success and accomplishment is what makes you be able to teach others Thank and you so much. i i think that's tremendous tell me out of um looking at and at the book i would say one of my one of my favorite parts among mm. many was the idea of pitching yes if you were to First of all, tell the audience what you feel makes a strong pitch as far as the components, mm-hmm. and then I would love to hear you pitch one of your projects. Oh, that's great. <laughs> no <laughs> sure, pressure. Sure. A real project or a fake project? Anything, okay, I'll do it. But here's the thing is that with the pitch is um, you need to – I have joked and said that you could wake me up at 2 in the morning and shake me and say, Tom, pitch a movie. And I'd say, okay, let me tell you exactly what it is, and I'd go right into it. And, you know, the key is is that you have to have that energy – you have to geek out a little bit. You know, I've I've definitely done the Tom Cruise jumping on the couch on the Oprah show. I've done it. You know, you have to have that passion and that excitement. And I talk about in the book how you got to prepare it so it's like a gift. You know, if I was going to give you a gift, I'd be really excited about it. And so when you prepare your film project like a gift and you give that to the person, you're so excited and passionate about it. Now, I've taught film financing classes, and I'm just kind of getting into teaching and, and, and um, teaching the aspects of the book. And I'll bring people up and say, pitch me. And you you can't believe it. I mean, they're, they're well, you know, it's it'll be a good horror film. And yeah, there's some, there might be some some stuff that's exciting. You know, and I'm like, what are you doing? You know, you you this person may be worth, say, $20 million. You want them to give you $1 million. So you want them to give you one twentieth of the fortune that they've worked hard to accumulate. You better be selling. And you better be giving something that you believe in. You know, look, I am not, I can't say... Um, that I know exactly how to make money from films. I mean, nobody can really say that. You know, even, you know, Spielberg and Lucas have their flaws and things like that. But I can tell you how to raise money. But as far as the the making money goes, it's it's just not the same thing. But the bottom line is when I'm pitching you, I believe it's going to make all the money in the world. Because if I can believe that in my head and push that to you and believe the excitement about the film, you're going to pick it up and feel it. I think that's great. <laughs> it's so true. I mean, I have to say, even in a writer meeting, when you – Go into a writer meeting, you are selling yourself. And the idea of what is marketable about you as yes. well as what you love about the project and why you feel you'd be right for it. Yes. And and I love your idea, as you mentioned in the book as well, if you're out at a 
a nightclub. You need to have your story down because yeah. you never know when you're going to run into somebody who may say, hey, what do you got? Well, let me let me tell you this, and before I'll, I'll do the actual pitch, but I was in um, – I did a youth conference because I, I speak to kids uh, in the end of October and end of April. Those are the two times that I do my motivational speaking for kids. I work with a bureau on the East Coast called the Vision in Motion. And I was up in Yakima, Washington, literally Yakima, I mean, middle of nowhere to do a two-day youth conference. And I'm in Seattle at the airport, and there's maybe 10 people going to Yakima. It was the shortest flight I've ever been on, actually, 23-minute flight. So um, I'm sitting in the, there, and I'm overhearing two women talking. And one of them saying she's an assist, the assistant, the executive assistant to the owner of Pepsi. And I'm thinking, oh, my God. Now, I had no idea where Pepsi is, and I guess, I guess it's in Ryakama. So, I, of course, I started a conversation with her and started telling her. I pull out a Love and Dancing poster with me on it, and they're, oh, wow, you know, a celebrity and blah, blah, blah. And so I started working. And so who do you work for? And so I'm talking. And it actually turns out he was not the owner of Pepsi. They have an independent Pepsi bottling company in Yakima that's privately owned. But, of course, I tried to get a meeting with the guy. You know what I mean? I started talking about this, this what I was pitching now. And it, it just turned out that the person was away, and I was only up there for two days. So it wasn't, it wasn't going to happen. But you can bet that I'm going to follow up with that person and see if I can, you know, turn something out of that. So that, here's me literally sitting in an airport waiting to get on a plane and just keeping my ears open and then, bang, going into pitching what I can pitch, you know? And you're going to give us an example of that. <laughs> sure. Sure. I'll tell you exactly what I'm working on. I'm in production. Basically, I, I taught a class at uh, uh, which, uh, Raleigh Studios, which oh. is not too far from here. And uh, I literally stood up in front of the class and said, look, nobody pitched me on their own project. Because <laughs> I got my own stuff I'm working on. I said, please don't pitch me. And, of course, like six people pitched me. And it was only like 15 people. And the joke was I, I just taught a class for like 80 people. And I'd say about 30 people pitched me. But anyway. This one about six, but one person pitched me, and he literally took me out to lunch because he had read the book and said how I was paying for lunch. And he said, I'll pay for lunch. And uh, I just said, wow. And that, that was what blew me away. And what it is is it's basically a departure from what I've done before because mm-hmm. it's a self-help documentary. Now, have you seen The Secret? Have you yes. seen The Secret? Yes. yes, yes, yes. Now, The Secret was made in Australia for mm-hmm. around $3 million. Mm-hmm. It has now made about $70 million on DVD alone. Wow. The whole business itself with the books, the audio books, the everything else is about $500 million. I thought it was it's, a number much higher than 70. Yeah, yeah so you're it's right. about half a billion. Wow. So you have this half a billion dollar industry. Now, what this is, is this guy was a former prison psychologist, a guy named Dr. Dave Smiley. And he pitches me on this project. He had, was over uh, almost 300 pounds and lost all this weight using the law of attraction. So the quick elevator pitch for what I'm doing is it's uh, the secret meets weight loss. And it's changing your mind to change your body, saying dieting is the cause of obesity. Now, here's the pitch. Uh, self-help is a $9 billion industry. Weight loss is a $60 billion industry, $60 billion. And what we're going to do is we are already in production on it. We've, had the, we've got the production financing, but when we're done, we're, we have already quit, created the website, just kind of a little intro, theinnerway.com. It's called The Inner Way, W-E-I-G-H, like instead of W-A-Y. Um, and what we're going to do is we're going to distribute it ourselves, meaning we'll put out the infomercial, we'll get the website, we'll do a media blitz and all that, and you come to the site and you'll be able to buy the DVD or the DVD and the audio book or the DVD, the audio book and the meditation CD and all this stuff, and we'll be able to produce those for low cost but put them out there. And number one, we'll be helping people. And number two, we'll be pocketing, um, you know, instead of running through this other distributor and taking, you know, uh, $1 on a $20 sale, if it's a $20 sale, we'll be making like $18. And for that pitch, I mean, look, if I'm telling an investor the secret made $70 million, I think the inner way can make $100 million. And here's the best part. The whole project is under $1 million. The whole thing is under $1 million, and it's going to look probably five times as good as the secret. 
So okay, you got me excited. <laughs> I mean, there's wow, <laughs> that is fantastic. Yeah. I try to make them all bulletproof, and this one is. I mean, we're we're up to we have about you know we still need you know, I'd say we still need about a half a million financing to to finish it, but uh, you know it's. Um, which In case is there's funny. anybody out there listening. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> right, they, 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 we'll turn that into many, many millions. That's what we believe. So. See? Yeah. Oh, I think that's fantastic. I would love to ask you, because you have had so many different roles creatively, mm-hmm. what has that transition been? Like going from the actor who had nothing to do with the financing to suddenly being in a more uh, responsible, powerful position was wearing those different hats difficult when you first did it? Well, you know, there's that, that phrase out there, um, the golden rule. He who has the gold makes the rules. I'm sure I say it in my book. I wasn't the person that created that. But I'm on set of um, Love and Dancing, and there's probably, you know, 80 crew there. And there was this one pretty sharp intern. And I'm looking, and I thought, here's this intern. He's probably either he's being paid nothing or being paid like $50 a day. And here's me. And I'm at the top, and everybody's catering to me. And I thought, what's the difference between him and, and myself? And the difference was that I brought the money to the project. You know, a lot of times people will say in Hollywood, there's no ladder. You know, you have to say, I'm up here. And when you say I'm up here, that's when you get the money for being up there and you get the respect for being up there. And it's all about your personal space, you know, where you think, well, I'm only out here and I'm down here and whatever. whatever. When you say you're up there, you're up there. And for me, it was, you know, it was, it was the fact that though I had brought the money in the attic, I didn't know what I was doing. You know what I mean? Then I got a little more power in the alphabet killer. By love and dancing, I knew exactly what I was doing. And now I, every, people come to me advice I, for advice because I know so much what I'm doing. You know, Not to say that I'm not still learning. But the key is this, is that uh, specifically as a writer and a producer, there's producer Tom, writer Tom, and actor Tom, and I have to look at them as three different things. And I, even back in the attic, I let them give me one little fee for all three. Not realizing, wait a minute, if you know, if I didn't write the script, they would have had to pay a writer, you know. And by love and dancing, I'd made sure each separate thing was, you know, it was categorized. That's a great lesson. It's, it was yeah. a great lesson, you know. But um, and didn't feel guilty about it because I knew mm. this is what I had to, you know. Absolutely. My script, Tom writer Tom, was not the same as producer Tom. But as far as the, the the production goes, you could not, I could not be producer or writer, especially not producer on set. And I needed the directors to know that I was not going to be that. You know what I mean? Because then they'd be afraid to give you a note. It's like, oh, he's the producer. And so producer Tom probably dropped out, I'd say, about a month before production I leave. And then it's it's in the hands of my producing partners, uh, Amy Schofies and Robbins, on a couple films. They're great. Um, Sylvia Kaminer was on Love and Dancing. And I, I basically, boom, I give them everything. And it's then writer Tom probably drops out about a week before. And then it's like, you know, there every once in a while I get a little writing request, but I stay out of that stuff. You know, if somebody flubs a line, the director handles that or the script supervisor. I don't go, hey, whoa, you messed up my line. I don't do that. And so it's really just actor Tom, you know, and I have to bring it. I mean, I'll say that to actors out there. You can't just get, you know, five million bucks, put yourself in the lead role and blow it. I mean, if you do that, and I've actually seen that happen. I saw somebody do that with a $3 million film where he had these big stars around him and he was the worst part of the film. You have to, you know, Elizabeth Moss was in the attic. I mean, star of Mad Men, just got nominated for Best Actress Emmy. I got all the reviews in the attic. I got the best reviews of the, of the acting reviews. Now, the movie wasn't even reviewed that well at all, um, which, because I think it was an art house type film and it should have, people were expecting a horror movie. And, um, and Mary Lampert had done it kind of more of an art house kind of cool. And I, I really do like the film, but the bottom line is this. If I didn't, at that moment, if I hadn't been the guy that everybody's saying, oh, wow, he really has some great acting talent, then, you know, well, number two films are going to happen. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. you look at the credibility, I think, for the audience, I think there are a lot of screenwriters out there listening, as well as TV writers, and going, 
how do I empower myself to get my own projects made? What were the hurdles that you hit in the beginning? Like when you first thought of this nugget, which is really considered a golden nugget, Mm -hmm. uh, hmm, if I learn financing, then not only can I raise money for other people's projects, I can raise money for my projects as well as employ myself. Yes. And it was all about employing myself because, I mean, I've been – two companies have tried to hire me to be their finance guy. And I was like, no way. I said, I'm not doing that at all. It was about, you know, putting myself in these things, you know. And I, I – there's guys out there that that's their job, financing. And I'll say – they don't do the stuff that I do. They don't have the techniques that I have, but they, you know, but they are financing people, which I laugh at. How how many times have they gotten a person to actually write a check? Maybe never. But the bottom line is this: is that as I think the number one rule, if somebody say, "How do you make it in Hollywood? How do you make it in this business?" I'd say one word: leverage. Create leverage. Now, the leverage could be an incredible script. The leverage could be an attachment. But the best leverage there is is the money. You know what I mean? If you right now had said. I have $5 million and I'm putting myself in this lead role of this. You're going to do it. Or I have $2 million and you're making my script. This is the script that I wrote. Or I'm going to direct this. Whatever that is, that's leverage, baby. And if you can do that, you're golden. Now, take me into it it is that first moment Mm -hmm. when you made this first deal. When you knew that the money, that you helped raise the money and you were – the central star mm-hmm. of the film. What was what was that experience like? Were you <laughs> nervous? Did you know that? I mean, by that point, did, you felt confident in the raising money area. So therefore, well, yeah. Not, when you're talking about the first film, like The Attic, I was never. Um, I was never. It wasn't that I was never confident in my acting ability. I was always confident. I was anxious to to show myself. You know, and I was I was really anxious, ready to go. So there was no nervousness there. It was ready. I mean, it was like the horse at the gate, basically. Um, but the only thing I was nervous about was, and I talk about it in the book, is that with The Attic and with Love and Dancing, both times we did not have enough money to shoot the film and we started shooting. Now, that's chapter, I think it's chapter 13, which is funny enough, the dangerous approach. And that is scary. And so it's like with The Attic, here's my first foray into financing a film and, and making it happen and going there and driving to set every day going, is the second we closed down? I mean, literally every day. And we got somebody, and I got it was me got somebody about halfway through to finance. And once that's done, once the full money is in the bank, you can sit back and go, ah. And you know, and it hampered the attic, and it hampered love and dancing. Alphabet Killer wasn't. It wasn't hampered because we had a great guy, a guy named Greg Palacini, who's a, who's a great friend of mine, and he wrote the check for the attic for the Alphabet Killer, and he put that in. So once that check was in, it was great. And so I've made the comments now where I've said I will never go into production again until I have full financing but it's like I know that's not true <laughs> because so many times it's much like baseball you got to get that runner to first base then you got to pop at the outfield to move him to second base and then you got to hit you know a line drive to move him to third and then you you and you got to keep moving it forward a little bit at a time and then get it home you know and uh, so that's the kind of key with the project is that you have to gee you you have to do whatever it takes to get it going so when you ask the question how did i feel yeah i was nervous that the production was going to be shut down i wasn't nervous about my acting i was ready to go you know i was just nervous that maybe but there's much more of a gamble i mean obviously when you have a stake in the success it is more responsibility so i i like how you explained how you have 
a different role at different times yes. in the creative process and then you leave one role to go into another role. I think that's great. Yeah, and producer Tom picks back up. As soon as the film is over, I go into sales mode because, you know, look, I always want to try to make my investors their money back because then they'll invest in future projects. So, you know, it's not easy. You can't predict. It's You know, I, I think it's the movie gods that determine if a movie's going to make money. But, uh, you know, you try the best you can. You do the best you can. Take me into um, approaching a investor. Okay. Um, now, approaching – now, well, it depends. I mean, is this somebody that you're just – you know, you're at a bar, an airport or something, or is this somebody that you know and it's warm and you're, you're – just... I'm, I'm, I would actually like to hear both scenarios. Okay. Someone who professionally does invest in films for a living versus mm-hmm. somebody who you're going to charm, entice into mm-hmm. investing in your film. Well, I'll tell you that I'm not into – look, one of my biggest pieces of advice is to stay out of Dodge as far as getting an investor because the people that are in the film business are – like ourselves are, – are kind of cynical at times. And also, look, they're out for their own best interest, which I don't hold any fault for them. You know, it's like I have a wife and two kids and a house in the hills. It's like, yeah, I'm out for my own best interest. It's meaning like even even you're Steven Spielberg, you know, I mean – he can't just put a random nobody in a lead. If the movie bombs, people are going to start asking questions about him, and he's a mogul. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you can't – you have to be focused on your own career because you never know when suddenly it's going to turn around and then you're not working anymore. So I don't fault anybody for that. And for that exact reason, I kind of stay out of the film business to, to get the financing. I go for the people that – you know, my first investor was a commercial furniture warehouse dealer in New Jersey. And uh, the people that you're letting them into the business, you know, the guy up in Rochester still talks to Tim Hutton on the phone and things like that. He was over his house and things. Like that. So I gave him a way to be in the film business, and he's eternally grateful for that. So those people outside that have made their money in, you know, in chairs, in, those are the people that would love to be in our world. And, you know, they think, I mean, look, the people that I, I have aunts and uncles that think I'm like, you know, drinking Cristal, pouring it over my head, you know, riding in limos all the time. And it's like, they don't understand. That's like, you know, that, that, those kind of things do happen, but they're once, they're like 1% of your life. And the rest 99% is busting your butt and trying to get projects going and making calls and working more than the average person works by far. And it's like, you know, you're really trying to sell your, you know, and waiting that one month, you walk out of a script meeting and they say, I'm going to buy this, and uh, which has happened to me. This one uh, company, will be unnamed, said, we are buying this script of yours. And I walk out and you know what that is. You're a writer. I mean, it was like that's uh, low six figures, right? Mid six figures maybe. And then, oh, we call the manager. What's going on? Turns out, well, they're waiting for their other film, which is a similar film, to see how that performs in the box office. And that film bombs. Okay, that film two weeks later bombs. There goes my deal. So that's this business where you have – you could have made X. And even not only that, they promised you X. <laughs> they just never contracted you for X. And then something happens and boom. And they're gone. They're, go- they're gone. So you have to be ready for that. In looking – I mean you brought up a good point that in finding people outside of this business is a great way to go. So how does one do that? Do you look at like say who has very successful chair businesses mm-hmm. who have – who out there is succeeding in a different business arena who you think might be interested in our world? Very much so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You go after those people. You, uh, all the time I'm trying to hear of people that are high net worth individuals um, that have made their money in whatever it is. 
And those are the people that you want to tag because look, film investment is cool. You know, if if we're making it, if you're giving me five million bucks and you don't know anything about the film business, you've made microphones your whole life, and suddenly I'm saying we're doing a movie and it's Jessica Biel and it's this and that, and then suddenly you're on the set and you you know Jessica Biel's your friend now and you got her email address, you're texting her and things like that, and it's like for you that's an excitement. It's not something where you know on the golf course and you're saying, well, I, I made some money in in you know bottled water. That's boring. You know what I mean? Well, I I have. Uh, John Cusack over my house Friday night. That's cool, you know? And so yeah. that's, see, getting those people, you're, I'm always asking, you know, I talk about the finder's fee approach, which is my kind of one of my bread yeah, and butter approaches. Yeah, that's a great chapter. Yeah, which yeah. Is, is basically um, is saying to everybody you know, look, I'm looking for high net worth individuals, H&Is. I'm looking to raise X. Let's say it's $1 million for my feature film. If you know anybody, could you introduce me to that person? If, you, if that person does invest, him or her, you will get 5%. And you will get an associate producer fee for that. Uh, so for that million dollars, it's $50,000. And then you illustrate for them. You could literally make an email. You send an email, make a phone call, and get a $50,000 check. That's and fantastic. so you let them know that. And that's that's gold, baby. I mean, you're not selling them Cutco knives or Amway. You're giving them a gift. So they go out and you got all your friends. Think of the six degrees of separation. I don't know all my friends' friends. I don't know who they run into. So if you got them pitching, you just suddenly hired all your friends to work as, for you as associates to try to get the money. It's kind of like you set up your own period scheme. <laughs> well, I hate to say I mean, that. <laughs> pyramid it is. Like, you look at the pyramid. I mean, it really, I mean, the idea of the finder's fee, I know you didn't know one likes to look at it that yeah. way. But I, <laughs> it's but, a Ponzi scheme. But no. I, like, yeah. I like the idea of the gift. Yeah. I mean, the idea of really there's value in something we all do. As you mentioned that your wife pointed out, when you're giving away all this free advice, why not? put it into a book why not sell it to the masses i i think that's fantastic so talk to me about your future as far as what are your goals um what what is your greatest love creatively uh without a doubt it's still the acting you know it's i'm with uh, the stone manners uh, agency and uh i'm so i'm excited about that because they're a big tv agency and uh that's what I, I really want to do now is act on TV because, you know, I have the wife and kids and it, the consistency would really be great, you know, instead of the – and also in, in town versus, you know, flying to New Orleans to do a film. So that's 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 definitely a goal of mine. And also I think the film and TV business has now leveled out. I mean not leveled out. I, it's obviously still and it's right after the writer's strike. But I mean years ago you had film stars and you had TV stars and one did not touch the other. Now you, it is so blurred. I mean, the star of Heroes is the star of Star Trek. You know what I mean? The uh, star of uh, How I Met Your Mother stars in Forgetting Star Marshall. So there's, there's not it's, – it's blurred to the point where you can be on TV and it's not going to kill your film career. You know what I mean? And vice versa. So I, I really want to do TV. In the meantime, I'm doing, I am doing that Inner Way project. And I have two other independent films that I'm trying to get financing for but not actively 100% crazy seeking because you know how I tell in the book when I go after the money, that's all I think about. You know, with the inner way right now, every person I may meet, I tell them how much money that movie's going to make and how great it's going to be and how we're going to change the world and get people off diets and make them slim and, and people get excited. You practice the secret. Yes. You very really much so. do. I, yeah. I, I think that that, I have to say, in my career, any, any writer careers that I've helped launch, mm-hmm. I knew and they knew. That it was going to happen. And it is, I definitely believe in the idea of visualizing it and the idea of feeling it and knowing it and having the passion to sell other people on it. I think that's fantastic. One of my favorite quotes, by the way, is people who succeed believe that they will. 
And I just think of that all the time, you yeah. know, just have that belief. Yeah, I think that I'm a big quote person, and I love you have that in your book as well. That's why I always <laughs> notice the spiritual aspect. For our last question, I would love to have you give advice um, to screenwriters who are looking at what you've done mm -hmm. and achieved and going, how do I go from being the writer to being the producer? Well, the main thing is, well, there's two parts to that. First, the script better be a killer script. You know what I mean? It's, there are so many bad screenplays out there, and it's got to be, it can't be like, well, this is good. You know, it can't be that. It's got to be like, this is amazing. You know what I mean? And you have to do that. And I tell every writer, and I just put a course together for a, a film school, that writing seems to be the only, uh, the only business, the only occupation where people just do it. Even as an, as an actor, you know you got to go to school, take classes, do this, you know, so... I equate it to the fact that writers on the top levels, they make way more money than doctors. But for some reason, everybody knows doctors have to go 12 years to school and do this and that. Writers go, well, I saw a couple of films. Let me write. They never read any screenplays. So, one, read the best screenplays you can and start reading, reading, reading and start learning that way. So that's one, get a killer script. And the second is if you know that this project is going to be an X amount of dollar project, really start learning about financing. And if you know this is a two, three million dollar project. If you can get that money together, then suddenly you're in a producer and you can really shape your vision so much more because you can say, I'm bringing the money. These are the rules that you are all going to follow. Let's make this movie work. I think that is great. That is, uh, that is the end of our interview. I want to thank you so much for joining us. You, um, your insight has been so valuable, mm -hmm. and I love hearing your approach of practicing the whole spiritual thing which i believe is definitely has to do with your success and and uh congratulations to you on on your achievements Great. we are out with tom malloy author of bankroll a new approach to financing feature films this is jen grisanti of jen grisanti consultancy inc thank you you're listening to Storywise with entertainment consultant jen grisanti StoryWise is a podcast designed to give you the story behind the people who tell stories, offering you insight on what it takes to work as a writer in television and film. Hear this and other podcasts on www.jengrisanticonsultancy.com, a full-service writer consultancy committed to guiding your vision. We are back with part two of Feature Financing, and my guest today is Jeremy Jusso. You so, you so, thank you. I wanted to make sure I, I, I pronounced that correctly. Who is author of the book Getting the Money, a step by step guide for writing business plans for film, and the author of the AKA Report. Jeremy has quite an impressive background. He is a graduate of Harvard, uh, where he graduated with honors in economics. And he went from there to a teaching fellowship at a prestigious boarding school in England that came through Harvard. Yes, yes. They, and they, they and award you these taught things. Oxford and Cambridge students there. Well, students who were preparing to enter Oxford and Cambridge. Great. Because in the British system, you have to... It's in the American system is great because you get like a year or two to party and then you got to make up your mind. But in England, you kind of have to have your mind made up before you go in. Not not a lot of changing your mind. So you say, I'm going to do economics. Okay, you got to be prepared for economics before you kind of go in there. And you knew. I mean, how fascinating to go straight from college to teaching economics and then 
go into the workforce and then immediately, I mean, I, I am so impressed you went from working at MGM to um, in, in writing multi-million dollar feature film plans. Was that something, how long did you study that? Was that like a major that you were involved in in college? Was it a major part of your... Well, I mean, in college, I had like a very, I really got into finance. Okay. I got really, really, um, I guess, I don't know if I, I, the word entranced by it comes to mind, but that's a little too strong. Um, no, very... I think it's a good word. <laughs> when I look at your background, I think that so, actually quite fits. <laughs> so, you know, I got really into finance in college, and then, but all through my life, I mean, as a child, I used to watch tons of films. My yeah. family was a very big... Uh, we every Saturday night we would always watch films like Marx Brothers or uh, Laurel and Hardy and just, Where did you grow up? Uh Washington DC or Bethesda Maryland just outside of DC. And um so then in college, you know, I had this intense finance interest and then I, the two just kind of coalesced together. And uh, after after college um, I was awarded the fellowship to go to England. And, uh, I mean, my dad had passed away in college, so I kind of took that year also to kind of just oh, kind of get my bearings and kind of figure out what I really want to yeah. do, you know. And, um, yeah, so then I came out here because I knew I wanted to be in the business. Um, was well, your father in finance? Uh, no, he was actually a scientist. He was the, uh, he was, uh, the head of the uh, National Institutes on Alcoholism and Alcohol Abuse. And he also ran a private psychiatry practice. And um, I think he was the most published psychiatrist in the world. I'm not sure. I could be wrong on that. Oh. But very, very high up there. And then, uh, so I had a lot to live up to. I think yeah. I'm maybe, maybe like a, I'm probably a 20th of the way there. <laughs> I, I <laughs> but, hear uh, stories about children of psychiatrists. Yeah, That's yeah. Watch out. You're in a small room with me. Look out. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, um, and I, he was actually a television star in Finland, too. Wow. So from the age of about, I think, it's on IMDb, but from the age of about, I think, 8 to 18. And back then, there was no, it wasn't, there was no tape delay. It was just straight up live. It was a family show. So I guess I had all that in me. Yeah. So then I, you know, came out here and, and um, then started writing business plans uh, for filmmakers and found that uh, I was pretty good at it. And, uh, You're very good at, at it, and writing the book. I mean, I it is a fascinating thing because I I think what I am so impressed about with both you and and Tom uh, Malloy um, with regards to your paths is really at such young ages figuring out how to best utilize your intelligence to apply to what you wanted to create for yourself, life, career-wise, and, and putting a plan into action so early in life. Yeah, I guess I, I'm pretty blessed, yeah. you know, pretty pretty lucky that way. And I think, you know, uh, Jeremy, for everyone to know what we're referring to as far as using the creative side of our brain as well as the business side, which is definitely becoming more and more prevalent um, with the consciousness going on in the nation. And I think people, period, uh, whether yeah. you're talking about financiers, they want a greater sense of life than just a dry technical world. Like it, it was interesting reading your book because your book 
is very like uh, intellectual and straight to the point, yet you explore um, so many different arenas. Like the whole distribution process was news to me as far as how much power they have in the creative process. I, I was really fascinated about that. Leading up from what you've done in your life, and I definitely want to go into everything, um, what what inspired you to write this book when you did? Like, where did that come from? I, I kind of felt like, you know, I wish, I was writing the book that I wish I had had when I had started. Okay. Because I, I think a lot of stuff in this town, no matter what your occupation is, it's often it's often like a little cabal. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's just a, a little club, and no one really tells you how to do stuff. And um, so I felt like, I mean, in business plans, it was a little bit that way. You there's to get really specific details on exactly where to go and how to do it, and step by step by step. And you don't necessarily have to follow all the steps, but given all the steps, then you can make your own choices. And I just felt that. Uh, I wish I had had that when I had started because I spent a lot of time kind of fumbling around trying to find the very specific details of how to go about making one of these things. So I just felt, well, you know, if if, if, if I'm having this issue, then I'm sure there are a lot of other people out there having this issue. And um, by putting the book out there, I think, uh, you know, it can just, people can spend less time trying to figure out maybe some of the businessy kind of things, although there's still a lot to figure out. And um, and then more time on the creative. I mean, it's really written for um, artists who don't necessarily understand finance, but still, there's got, there's a lot of detail in it. I mean, yet while I say that, there's a lot of detail in it that you know, if you're really versed in high finance, it'll still be a great read for you. It is a great read, and it's very accessible. It definitely doesn't go over your head. I think you do a a good job at that. I. I think it is um, a lot to think about. Yeah, and for sure. It for is, sure. you know, really looking at all of that, and and again, I think it's using both side sides of your brain, which I think is the wave of the future as far as empowering people how to create whatever they want to do in life. And so, I do commend you for essentially taking down the fourth wall. Uh, as they would say, and, <laughs> well, thank and you. really thank you. opening people up to this is what you need to do yeah. um, to succeed, which I, I, you know, I think I can say in my own business, I've worked with probably 90 or 100 feature writers over the last two years, and it is a fascinating area in the sense of it's almost like a limbo. Like people will write these films and it doesn't matter if the writing is top top notch if the concept is not top top notch in the market it won't it doesn't mean nearly what it could mean and I think if people had the knowledge of yes the writing is there and the concept may not be viable to the studios but what if I knew how to finance it myself it might open eyes in a way that that aren't and and I think that is what your book does and and I do encourage people to go out and buy your book well, for that you. reason you know <laughs> thank you I very do much. because it's all about 
you know, when another reason I started my business was, okay, I took 17 years corporate experience and I thought, what if I were to bring my, my expertise in my area as well as my relationships and connections to the individual as a way to help them realize and actualize their dream. And so I, I think your book, and oddly enough, even though it is a very, you know, highly intelligent, uh, technical approach to financing, it still has the spiritual effect of empowering the artist to create their dream. Yeah, I think in the end, you know, this this business does boil down to a business. And even if you make a film without the maybe maybe you make a film and you're like well forget about it i'm not gonna i don't i don't care if there's really a market for it or not you still have to go through some business steps to get there yeah and so uh if you have that acumen and you know you can become versed in you know the business side of things even if you're not going to shoot for a specific market um it's definitely very very helpful because you can kind of watch your back because the people who have the really sharp business smarts often in this industry will try to use it not always but oftentimes they'll try and use it to their advantage at your right. expense you know right and then uh, but even though Did you go through that a, a bit before it, I always think that triggers like if you go through certain life experiences where somebody will take advantage of you it empowers you to go wait a minute it's I, mostly in the. Know. I mean, I, I have researched so many films, right. and I've seen so many interviews, right. and you just read and see a lot of that, right? And so it's mostly through that because you know I mostly write the business plans for the filmmakers or consult with the business plans um, for the filmmakers. So I'm not putting myself so much in the in the uh, in the uh, I guess in the target hairs of. Uh, um, <laughs> all I can think of is saying getting screwed over. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, you know. No, no. Uh, <laughs> but but if knowledge is power. So for you, sure, for if sure. you understand the path and you know how to navigate it, exactly. the better. As far as your consulting firm, which I imagine the book and the consulting firm very yeah, much hand go in hand. hand in hand. Yeah. Tell me about what your consulting process is. Um, so, I mean, basically the consulting firm mainly deals with um, – I'll consult with filmmakers on their business plans, or I'll uh, write business plans for them. I'll also consult with new movie investors and make sure that they understand the basics of the business because it's even a lot of investors aren't very, uh, don't really understand the basics of the business. And I think the clearest uh, example of this was with all the Wall Street money that came into Hollywood, some basically between 2000, 2003 to 2007, I'd say. There was a huge influx of uh, of money from Wall Street, and there were a lot of people with sophisticated financial models and and really, 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 uh, really sophisticated investors who came and thought that they could take advantage of uh, of um, of a situation where they could make a lot of money off of movies. But I mean, overall, and this is the shocking thing about movies, is that they are overall not a sound investment. It's, it's just not. It's not a sound investment, and unfortunately, overall, most of the slate deals found that out the hard way. And even before the the um, the crash in uh, fall of 2008, a lot of the Wall Street money was pulling out because they were realizing that you know this is a business where 
I mean, box office is utterly unpredictable. In most cases, the films lose money, and um, and box office drives success in all other markets. So, uh, um, but yeah, so I try to make sure that movie investors understand that that's what they are getting into. And then also, I I track all of the specialty films. So films, I define a specialty film to be one that um, one that opens on. Uh, so its opening weekend will be at a thousand venues or fewer, and about ninety percent of those are independent films. And so I track every one of those that gets released um, into theaters domestically, and just keep track of various things like their budget, what what I estimate their their financing sources to be. Like, do so you private keep that ec- on your website? Yeah, that? yeah, that's oh, actually that's freely great. available on the website. Oh my gosh, and so, uh, that's excellent. From that, I generate certain reports and uh, well, your website I write. address uh, www.jeremyuso.com. So j e r e m y j u u s o dot com. So uh, yeah, that's another big thing I spend a lot of time with. That's so that great. I feel like if I'm on top of that information, then I have a lot better information to give to people when I'm consulting with them. And now in thinking about your consulting and in thinking about your book, let's say if you were to pick out, say, three to five um, top points that people should know when it comes to getting financing for their films, what would those be? Um, Well, I mean, I can... In terms of business plans, because that's my specialty, you know, I mean, I'm not putting the deals together myself. I'm not going out and finding the investors. Um, I'd say in terms of business plans, uh, probably the biggest thing that you want, one of the top things is that you really want to make sure that you follow securities laws, because that's a, uh, a lot of people when they're raising money for their film don't realize that in all likelihood, what they're doing is they're basically selling a security, and a security is uh, basically a promise of future profits. While the person who invests in secure in the security does not take an active role in the investment, and so this and the, and the thing about the securities laws is that they're very they can be very arcane and um, just weird, quite frankly. I mean, securities attorneys sometimes can't even nail down certain aspects of what the Securities and Exchange Commission, the SEC, um, wants uh, wants people or can't nail down to the exact rules that um, the SEC wants uh, people to follow when they're raising raising money for a film. So I guess the big thing is get a good lawyer that knows securities laws. That's one thing because you want to make sure that you're following them because if you don't, you break one in a slight way. You might you might be you might be entitling your investors to a hundred percent of their money plus interest, and wow, most, most that's a big thing to know. Most films do not end up with that much money when they're all said and done. So that would be, and you don't often hear a lot about those cases because they're settled out of court. But um, if an investor gets disgruntled, which often happens, um, uh, they may you know sue, and it's very easy for high net worth individuals to sue you. So that's the that's one big tip, you know. Follow securities laws. Um, another thing would be uh, be upfront with your investors, you know. So in all my business plans, I advise in several spots that you really recommend, you really you really talk about what the risks are, and the odds are you're probably not going to make a lot of money. You're probably not going to make any money. I mean, low budget independent films, the odds of turning a profit are somewhere less than one in a hundred, and that's just 
you just have to make sure the investor knows that so that they're not getting – I mean, I, I was – shocked and it's this really stinky statistic <laughs> i wish it was like money for everybody but you know you always because all the, the only things you hear about are the successes you don't hear about all the people who are like you know ready to kind of uh hang themselves i'm actually it's funny you say that i'm about to interview one of the successes um the guy who one of the writers from Zombieland. oh okay yeah so that definitely is one of those where i think was it three times what the budget? They they have way exceeded. Just gone way. Okay. Yeah, and it, it, it. I forget the exact number, but it was a huge number. And so, I think you you have to. I would agree with you that what do you have any idea of what a percentage is of like films where you are seeing a large profit and the investors are seeing a large profit versus less or than one in a hundred. <laughs> <laughs> it's really stunning. Oh my it's this it's just really really and how much worse than 1 in 100? I don't know. I'm trying That's, to kind of That is why most that out, of our, but does it really our matter? I mean, you yeah. know, it's uh yeah. it's just Oh, another another great tip is that uh there's a place called the Margaret Herrick Library. And even if you don't want anything to do with the business of films, it is just an outstanding outstanding. Where is that? It's on uh, La Cienega and um Olympic, great. The Margaret Herrick Library. Uh, it's the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences that runs it, and um, they have like every book ever published on films, and then they have these great things called clipping files. Mm -hmm. And a clipping file is they'll take a subject like independent production or independent um, distribution, and the, and the librarians will literally clip out from I don't know at least probably a dozen news sources the articles every day that come in on on that topic and they'll slip them into these clipping files. Now oh, you great. you could probably you could probably do that on your own looking through Google and stuff, but you're you're going to miss a lot of stuff, you know. Yeah. I mean that's a really these basically basically these people are doing like a great service for you for free, right. you know. And so you go through those clipping files and they and they have they have files on on specific movies, on oh, specific great. actors. So even if you have nothing, you don't want anything to do with the business of it. They got tons of non-business stuff there. On so films. all the information you need there to figure yeah. out how to create your own success. Yeah, and I I tell you, if I had not found that place, yeah. um, I would be way way behind in terms of looking stuff up and researching things so it's and now as far as what would you say if you looking at the business plan writing process what would you say is the most challenging part versus the easiest part of the process uh, the most challenging part is just it takes a lot of time yeah and if you really want to do it i mean i know there are some people a fair number of people, I think, who say, oh, just make it brief. It doesn't, you know, the investors don't really look at them anyway. But my take is, look, if you put a, if you pour a lot of detail and a lot of time into it, then the investor is going to see that, look, you've got passion, you've got integrity, you've got knowledge. And even if they don't really read that, they'll see that, ah, this guy knows or this, this guy or gal knows what they're talking about or at least it seems like they do and then I'll ask them some questions. Whereas I think if you come up, if you have a business plan that doesn't have that much information in it, then uh, I don't know. It more amateur. It, it, it yeah. could, it could. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it, it, can't, it, can only, it can only raise questions. Right. And, and, and in a film, you, the films are so risky anyway, you want to make sure that 
an investor looks at you and sees that you will not be the source of the risk in this investment. You know, just what, what's, what's already there yeah. is going to be the source of the risk in the investment. But in doing that, to write a good business plan, it takes a lot of time. So I'd say that's the hardest thing. It takes a lot of time. And sometimes you might be in a crunch. You might feel like, hey, I, I know a couple of investors and, uh, you know, I feel like my timeline with them is really short. But... Uh, you know, I would still say you should always write a, a detail and 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 a, a detailed one and a very thorough uh, business plan. And then um, the easiest part, ugh, probably the easiest part is when it's done. And <laughs> 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 you could get a beer and you know. But uh, I don't know. I mean, even once you've finished a business plan, you know, finding investors is incredibly hard. It is so hard. It is, it is. Well, now, especially because, as you say, looking at the statistics now, of course, budgets have been cut left and right. Now, the only thing I can feel from a creative standpoint is a little relief in that maybe they are going to be more cautious with what they produce in and more involved in the story development process, which I definitely feel is needed. Um, For sure. I mean, I think that a lot of recently, you know, over the past three to four years, and it's, you know, you can't really pin down what is a good script, what is not a good script. I guess you could do some study maybe on the tomato meter versus, you know, results, performance and stuff. But, uh, there's definitely the feeling out there that where there were a lot of scripts made in the indie world that should not have been made because there was so much cash, you know. So now because resources are more scarce, I'd say, you know, it really, really got to make sure that your story is top notch, you know. And uh, But at the same time, I mean, you know, as much as, you know, uh, like my book lays out a way for doing business plans or other people tell you how to write a script or other people tell you how to finance a film or there are no rules. You know, right. that's one of the ru- number one rules about this business is that there are no rules. Right. And it's, it's, you a, can uh, only give your version of what worked for you. Yeah. And exa- that could work for somebody else. Now you tapped on, um, screenwriting. Are you, are you a screenwriter? No, no, I've written okay. a couple, but okay. it's not, you know, uh, no, then you're a screenwriter. I guess but you're, so. You, I guess so. so you're, you're developing that side, too, yeah. which is great. I mean, I really enjoy I mean, I do other kinds of writing, too. And, I mean, I think I'm kind of a creative a creative guy. You know, I do a little acting, a little writing, a little drawing. and Great. So I need that outlet because, you know, um, <laughs> all business plans and no play makes, yes. makes Jeremy a very dull boy. <laughs> <laughs> Well, but, uh, <laughs> no, I think that's great. I think that's great. And now with writing your book, how long did it take you to write your book? Uh, it took me a year to write it. Okay. And then I uh, pretty much right off the bat found my publisher, Michael Weesey. Great. Michael Weesey Productions. I hear wonderful things. Yeah, yeah. And Lee's great over there. Very fortunate to, uh, to find them. And um, and then we I worked with them for like basically a year and uh, to kind of go through the whole copy editing and all that stuff and, and hone it into a nice product that we could get out there. And I'm pretty pleased with the result, you know. I That's think great. 
you know, we've come up with something. That's and now, really did work. you go on book tours and all that? What, what you was know, I've I've been invited to some talks. You right. know, I've done panels. Yeah, right. Talks, panels. Uh, Has I've been it pretty, increased your business tremendously? I think it's increased it. I don't know about tremendously. It's kind of like a slow burn. It's kind of. Okay. It's honestly, it's like an indie film. You want right. to you want to get the grassroots marketing going, and right. then it starts building on itself and it's definitely building on itself and people are really really excited about it and all the talks and panels i've sat in on or done so far have gone really well right and so uh i think it's just opening up a lot of doors which i mean my overall goal i think in the next i don't know probably maybe the rest of my life is to really just stay in this business and really be fulfilled by staying in this business and the more doors you can open, you never know which door is going to exactly lead to what. But uh, doing the book is definitely helping those doors open up and, and, uh, and yeah, I think lead to a lot of fruitful things. Either that or I'm totally delusional. <laughs> yeah. No, I think it definitely is. I definitely think it is. Now, for our last question, sure. if you were to think of a – say golden nugget piece of advice for people who want to write a book for people or people who want to finance a film what would that be it would probably be to do the film or do the book or whatever piece of art you're going to do do the thing that you want to do because the uniform thing you can say about all the arts even writing a book you know for uh, business plans or any topic you know all that stuff I mean, even a business plan book is creative to some extent. And overall, the market is filled with more losers than winners. You know, the winners in any creative and in any market that's driven by a creative enterprise, it's made up basically of a few winners and mostly losers financially. So you want to be sure that you do exactly the thing that you want, because at the end of it, if what the odds are, are going to happen happen which is that you don't make money off of whatever you've made you want to look back and say well you know what I made it exactly the way that I wanted to make it because you know it would be horrible to see all after all the blood sweat and tears especially with a film to come to at the end of that process be like oh it didn't make money and oh my god I wish I had done this 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 and this I just did this this and this because I thought it would be more marketable or they told me this and they told me that but if you have the product that you really really love then even if it doesn't it's not a financial success you've still got something that you're so proud of and that's something that you know if you're proud of it odds are other people are going to be really excited by it too and that's going to take you further I mean the two biggest examples I'd say are like Suppose someone had come to you two years ago and um, and and, and uh, told you about Paranormal Activity, you know? You would have been like, what? Another crappy little movie? You know, that's never going to make any money. You know, people would have told you, don't, don't. And, uh, you know, it wasn't that much money, so <laughs> you're not getting talked out of, like, pouring your life savings into anything. But right. the point remains the same. Or, um, gosh, what a push. What, yeah. Not, Precious, excuse right, me. Yeah. Push, I think, was the initial yes. title of it. And, uh, I mean, I haven't seen it, but that is a dark, dark film. And if you had said a couple of years ago, I'm going to do, look at this, this is, this is, or even a year ago, if you said, hey, look this, look, look at what's going to come out, people would have been like, that's never going to make any money. It's not going to make a dime. Don't, don't waste your time. But 
those filmmakers, and I, I don't know them, I can't speak for them, but I can imagine they're really pretty proud of what they did. Yeah, because it uh, comes from the heart. And, the, and those, are, those are exactly like examples where they did what they wanted to do, they did it the way they wanted to do it, and they got the best of both worlds because those are enormous financial successes too. You know? And but they if had they, Oprah. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> There's that. That's true, that's it, true. It is, but I think what you're saying, and I think it's a very, very true point, I think if you follow your heart and you follow your intuition and your gut when yeah. it comes to projects and what makes you happy, you will succeed whether it's financially or exactly. whether it's spiritually. Totally. You will find success, and I, I think that's a great piece of advice. I Thank do. You, yeah. Well, we are at the end. Thank oh, so short. So much. <laughs> <laughs> it's so much fun. Isn't it fun? <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me. No problem. Me Thank you for having me. so much insight to our audience. And Great. again, you can uh, go to Jeremy's website at www.jeremyuso.com. It's J-E-R-E-M-Y-J-U-U-S-O.com. And I highly recommend it. Thank you again for joining me. Thank this, you for having me. I really appreciate it. You got it. This is Jen Grisanti of Jen Grisanti Consultancy. And we are out on StoryWise Podcast. Thank you. You've been listening to StoryWise with Jen Grisanti. If you're looking to get to the next step in your career and need a guide who has been there and knows what it takes, go to www.jengrisanticonsultancy.com. On the website, you can also find the latest on writing programs, feature film festivals, and other writing competitions. StoryWise is produced by Joel Metzger and Hot House Bruiser Productions. 